Welcome to the Sprocket Podcast, where we are simplifying the good life. I'm Guthrie Straw. I'm, I'm so sorry for your ears, Guthrie. It's I'm okay. I, I didn't need them anyway. Blowing out Guthrie's ears right from the very get-go. Uh, broadcasting from the People's Republic of Portland, nestled in the heart of Cascadia. We are the show that brings you somewhat irreverent conversations about the intricacies of thinking locally with a global perspective and enjoying the best that life has to offer along the way. Covering bicycling, trains and transit, adventures and life acts, and today we're catching up. Guthrie just, and Aaron hang out. Just you and me tonight. Hey, here's Cheers. here's looking at you. Right on. Hey, uh, the mighty, mighty fine beverage there that you've got. It's delicious. What 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 have you, what have you got in your hand? I have a Lionheart Heroes Blend, and it makes me feel like a hero right now. Nice. You should, cause you are a hero. Uh, I I've got a Moonraker Brewing Company Hazy Doozit, and do you know where I find or found this fine beverage? Why, I would imagine that was at the Beer Mongers at Southeast Division and 12. You are correct. So thanks, as always, to the Beer Mongers. Uh, we're putting them at the top of the episode because they're cool, and they give us beer and yes. beverages. So thank you so much. Thanks, Beer Mongers. Well, this week, um, we are, are one of those rare weeks where we don't have a guest spot, so we get to, to shoot the shit, so to speak. Yeah. Um, what have you been up to this week, Aaron? And I'm going <laughs> to yeah. get out of the gate first because I'm yeah. like, ha, ha, ha. Now you get to talk and I get to listen. Well, you also probably have more to talk about. My life's not that exciting right now. I could just make stuff up. <laughs> um, actually, I, I've i been working on sort of outlines for the bike D&D adventure Ooh. that uh, may happen in the future. Nice. We've gotten a few after Jimmy came and, mm-hmm. you know, I did that sort of spur of the moment. And if folks remember, um, the D&D episode was just at like 400-ish. Uh, yeah, around Right around there. there. A few this year, but back a little bit. So either, if you haven't caught that yet. Either in the 390s or the early 400s. Sounds about right. Yeah. A, a fun a fun event so yeah. you've been you've been working on it so eh? we had a few letters i said like you should do this again and so mm-hmm. um hopefully by the end of the year i will have or before the end of the year i will have like an actual thing that we can quote unquote play Ooh, <laughs> nice yeah. uh so there was that and speaking of D, i'm this is so nerdy but i found out one of my coworkers that like has a pretty um what would you say, like high position? As uh, a D&D master? Is a dungeon master, Ooh. yes. <laughs> just, it's like those people that say uh, ATM machines or pin numbers. I think I just, I committed a faux pas. Oh, yeah. As a well, dungeon he master? Was, he was he was outed because I signed it. I signed his, <laughs> um, his birthday card because they're doing that now. Um, you know, they make the rounds for everybody's birthday. I signed his birthday card and his birthday card was like Dungeons and Dragons thing when I was like, does he play Dungeons and Dragons? Either Dungeons and Dragons or one of those like so bad it's good pranks. <laughs> <laughs> but no, turns out turns out he actually is a is a DM and like has a regular thing that he does. Nice. Yeah. Did you get a chance to talk about plugging in or cuz you've got your own sort of D&D night going? Yeah, yeah. Uh I do that every Wednesday down at the uh Portland Game Store there nice. or up. I guess it's pretty north. Is it is it the one on Killingsworth? Yes. Oh, I walked by that just this week for the first time. Oh yeah. Yeah. 
It looked like a neat it's spot. pretty cool. I yeah. saw a lot of people playing games inside. I didn't step <laughs> in. Um, it's surprising how quickly it'll crowd up. Oh, really? Yeah. On a weeknight, even. Yeah. And it's it's a relatively large space. I feel yeah. like it's it's got the, if you will, standard-esque size storefront, but it seemed like it went pretty deep towards the back of the structure. It does. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, I've been on a um, kind of like personal goal to take more walks and oh, cool. get into running. And so I was like, you know what? For as close as I live to it, I really just don't visit the PCC campus uh, at Cascade very often. And so I was up in that neighborhood it's, walking around. Yeah, it's pretty nice to walk around there. Yeah, definitely. Also, um, shout out to Joan. I wanted to see their library. <laughs> so, I was, Did you go? I um, did not step in because it was closed. It was a Friday, and oh. on Fridays it closes at 5, and I was there a little bit after. Okay. Um, but I've got plans to go, and um, we'll probably yeah visit there sometime this week. That that whole thought of um, like studying or working outside of one's immediate environment, but in a place that is also affordable and free and has Wi-Fi to do so. <laughs> yes. Um, Seem, seemed like a pretty good bet there. And um, at least to the best of my knowledge on their website, it is an open campus to the public. So uh, I plan to check it out. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. I, will, I can't wait to hear what, what happens. It should be good. Yeah. So how... So on, um, after the whole D&D mess, uh, besides that, I uh, have been switching my... Switching our Pugsley... <laughs> Uh, from a two by nine to a two by ten. Oh, yes, nice. <laughs> Do tell. It's uh not as easy of a process as I thought it was going to be, and it all happened because I got the wrong item. Oh, are you playing the like? Maybe I can configure a couple of other things this way, and I won't have to like change everything else. So, game. Yeah. Rather than like re- return this item, well, I can't return it now since I've installed it. But <laughs> oh, <laughs> you haven't worked at a return center, have you? <laughs> I okay, I won't return a bike part because I've installed it. That's good. They'll they'll yeah. they'll appreciate you for that. <laughs> but instead of returning it or like trying to resell it, mm-hmm. uh, my laziness kind of kicked in and is like, we can put this cassette on the Pugsley instead. Ooh, nice. So I, I'm, I've been talking about this a few times, I think before I've been wanting to switch my, uh, disc trucker from a three by nine to a two by 10. Okay. Just to simplify things a little bit more. Like purely just simplicity. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and when I found out, like I get pretty much the same range, I will lose a little bit on the high end. Okay. Oh, it hurts me to say that. But how, but, so uh, and on a, I have to say, on a Pugsley and a Surly, like, when are you ever running the high end? Like, those are on just... On the disc trucker? Those are just slow bikes by default. <laughs> they they are, but when I'm going down a hill... Okay. I, I Even if, like, I'm still kind of mashing them a little mm-hmm. bit, I will still be, like, in big in the front and tiny in the back. Okay. Interesting. I guess... Yeah. Uh, you know a trick about Surleys that I don't. <laughs> oh, I think yeah. I think the most I've maxed I mean, out on not... a Surly is like 35 miles an hour. Oh, yeah. That's probably about as as much as I've maxed out on yeah, it. Fair enough. Fair enough. It's always uh, been in like I a have, touring I'm, you know, I'm also small, and so like there's not a whole lot of like wind resistance. You've got the aerodynamic. Yeah. Are you saying I'm tall, Aaron? You're, you're very tall. You're freakishly tall. Everybody here is freakishly <laughs> tall. Uh, yeah. So, you know, there's that. But... So Brock, I ordered... Brock's just like chuckling right now. <laughs> yeah, I'm huge. <laughs> uh, I ordered a 10-speed cassette, and 
instead of getting 11 by 42, I got an 11 by 46. Ooh. Yeah, it's a pretty big yeah. difference. Is it the, um, uh, I call them, there's an official name for it, I'm sure, the, the ginormous, the X giant gear, where like you, the stepping is relatively um, even, and then that 46 is like an inch bigger um, than everything else next to it? It's not quite like that. Okay. Yeah. It's I think Shimano a bit has. More even. I know what you're talking yeah, about, yeah. though. Yeah. There's a few of them like that. No, it's uh, more like, you know, SRAM's, uh, this is for their like 1x12, the Eagle, hmm. they call it. It's their 12 gear rear cassette, and it's just, it just looks like a really like wide mm-hmm. pyramid. Is it there? But everything's like really even. Oh, okay. It I, looks more like that. You know? The Eagle stuff, is it? That's like their top of the line, right? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 And it's yeah. all hollowed out and you pay money because there's very <laughs> right. little, there's like much structure, like, but few aluminum in the middle of it. Right. Exactly. Okay. I think okay. I have seen that so, one. So to be clear, that's not what I got. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they haven't so seen I, it? How would they know? Right. Uh, I ordered I ordered this one by Sunrace because oh, they, yeah. they come in black mm-hmm. and um, they're pretty nice. Uh, but again, I ordered a 11 by 42 originally to put on the disc trucker. To go, you know, to a two by ten, mm-hmm. and that would still give me like the similar range on the low end. Mm-hmm. It was a little on the high, but instead they gave me an eleven by forty six. Not sure what to do with it, so I stuck it on the Pugsley. Yeah, how's it uh, been? Well, you can't really just throw on a cassette with that huge of a gear in the back, um. And just expect the derailleur to, you know, mm-hmm. adjust. Gotta there's get, a lot. Gotta get a lot that you B gotta limit do. screw. Yep. So you you gotta get an extra long like B limit screw. And I'm not even sure if I just got one in the mail today. I'm not even sure if that one's gonna be long enough. Oh, I might actually have to go to like Wink's hardware or something. And you so, know, one of those like specialty hardware stores and get like, you know, really extra long one. Is and, it a is it a long pull cage by default? That, that runs on those? Like, you're not trying to do a medium cage? Uh, no, no. It's okay. a long cage. Okay. Uh, and so, so it's that's, possible. The mechanics it's of that, possible. The mechanics of, of long cage, short cage, medium cage, like, I still don't quite get it. What I'm doing is uh, just taking my existing derailleur, which, according to Sunrise, should work mm-hmm. with an extra long B-limit screw, <laughs> uh, you know, and then just you set the limits, you know, the low and the high limits, so you've got the amount of movement, um, what is that, horizontally? Yeah, horizontal movement, and then you get the extra long B-limit screw so you have that clearance mm-hmm. vertically. Yeah. Uh, so we'll see what happens. Hey, like- I got it I got it to work, though. Like, it doesn't go all the way to that back gear, and, <clears throat> you know, you got to be really careful not to shift past. I think it's mm-hmm. the last two. Okay. So don't shift past that, that one right before those last two. Yeah. Because it just locks everything. Oh, up. really? Yeah, I had it up in the stand, and you know, you like, you spin the 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 pedals to get it going, and you're like shifting as mm-hmm. as you're spinning the pedals, or as you're moving the chain. And um, I mean, it's a free wheel, so it didn't lock lock up like the wheel mm-hmm. kept moving. But you know, went to go shift to those two higher ones because you know I click, tried click, it. Click, I tried click, it before chunk. putting. Yeah, I tried it before putting the chain on, and it looked like it would clear it. Mm-hmm. You know. Obviously, when you put the chain on, it's a whole different ball game. And yeah, it was like ka chunk, and then the whole cassette just froze. Oh, <laughs> and, nice! And like, 
I couldn't even I couldn't even move the uh, derailleur. It was like <laughs> jammed up in the teeth of the cassette. It's always like a good feeling when. No, just kidding. It's not a good feeling. <laughs> it's not. I was like, really? <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a good feeling. It's a good feeling when when you work on bikes and you're like, oh, at least I did this on my bike. Oh, yeah. Or at least I did it before I was riding. Yeah. The bike. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, whoo, dodged a dodged a yeah. potential. The thing is, um, I think I've talked about going out with Paula uh, out in the woods at the Click Attack Trail. Mm-hmm. So a bunch of us again are set to go this Saturday out to. Not the Click Attack Trail, but somewhere else nice. around there. Okay, biking. So I've got a few days to get this thing ready. Nice. Or don't shift <laughs> or, to ten or eleven. Or right, right. Yeah. Um, and I don't know. I'm sure there's like mechanics out there that are like screaming, "Don't do it! No, <laughs> this is all wrong." <laughs> Probably counterbalanced by the mechanics like, who are saying, "As long as you know about it, you'll be fine." Right. Or like you know, ten by forty six. Or yeah. Hey. 11 by 46, like, that's too big for a two-by. Just Mm -hmm. go with a one-by or whatever. Oh, I had, um, you're reminding me of somebody I had as part of a trail crew uh, when I was in high school, and he just had this philosophy about life, and he had had it tattooed on him. He said, 52-2 or go home. 52-2? Yeah. (laughs) As in two Uh, and 52 in the back? Yeah, he's just like, go go big or go home, (laughs) 52-2. He actually had it tattooed on him. (laughs) Um, and amazing fellow, like, uh, the stories that guy has, um, I would love to meet up with him again, Man, well, post, post that event, but I'd like know. to meet up with him just to like, see how he set it up. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I mean, two would be kind of hard, but like, if you're going to go for a philosophy of going that way in the right, first place, right. 52, two or go home. Um, so we're not quite a 52, but uh, <laughs> it, it, you reminded me of, right. uh, of that individual. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm working on that. And I'm like this close. I've got the cassette for the for the disc trucker now too, the eleven nice. by 40, 42. Mm-hmm. Um and so I'm like this close to trying it out. Of course that would make it a like three by ten, which is completely unnecessary. But mm-hmm. more gears, more better. <laughs> Maybe. It's always nice. I uh, uh what I had to do though is I had to switch the disc trucker I had to switch out the two derailers. Mm. The derailleur that was originally on the Pugsley, like, it just wasn't working. Oh, I had to get what's called a, uh, uh, shit, uh, a link. Mm-hmm. It's called, like, so it actually creates more distance for the rear derailleur. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay, like a little um, spacer or such? Uh, or... So, uh, Wolftooth makes this. You, It's essentially like a, a rear derailleur hanger. Okay. Hanger. Oh, nice. Because <laughs> you need hangers for your hangers. Right, right. You know? It's, right. it's 2018. Uh, right. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Um, and but for worked. some reason, it wouldn't work with the original derailleur that was on there. So I had to switch it out with the one that was on the, the disc trucker. Okay. And so now my disc trucker won't shift all the way down to the 11 gear. Uh, so, see, I've, I've been running 3x9 we'll since so long. Yeah, I I just don't even I I can't imagine what it would feel like to have ten or eleven. You know, you're probably smarter to just like leave it. You know, it's like if it's not broke, don't fix it. Mm. Yeah, but, I mean, three know. by nine's a much uh, a much easier chain to not wear through quickly. I think I found overall. Yeah, just because you that makes sense. you don't you're not fighting the like thinness of the yep. of the machine quite so much. Yep. Um, although Surly thinks that the three by ten works for touring, so w- what am I to say? Right. Exactly. Yeah. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah. Or 
break or, it, or, or so I, then you can fix it. I almost wonder if it was the case of if Shimano stops manufacturing uh, nine-speed bar end shifters, like just go to ten. But then they went micro shift, so maybe that wouldn't even make sense. Wow, we're getting we're getting into the bike t- Ooh, talk wow. today. Yeah, I really got into the mm. I got into the weeds like a couple nights ago. Like, what oh, is yeah? the Dynasist? Oh, what is Cable Pull? Like. Can I use can I use this thing that's uh, specifically for their mountain shifters mm. with my friction shifters? I'm still stuck in like, what is like, a seat post? What, <laughs> what, seat tube, seat post. What is a seat tube? <laughs> <laughs> right? You, you've eclipsed me. <laughs> uh, so there was that. <laughs> I've been doing that for the weekend. Nice. Yep, getting greasy. Nice. Do you ever, I don't know how... You've never taken your rear derailleur off, I'm going to assume. I shoot. I've replaced the pulleys on it. I've not taken it off. The pulleys? Mm-hmm. Or the jockey wheels? Uh I think they're referred the to little... as the little the, the okay. two pieces that, that go I've spinny. I called them jockey wheels. Yeah, they I think the, I think both terms work. Okay. Um I feel like if you're searching parts catalogs, they come up as uh pulleys. I feel like again, prepared to be wrong. Uh, but for the Surly that I had, they have a XT, like Dior XT on it, which is pretty high end. Yeah. Um, kind of like decent mountain bike, um, like Shimano 105 equivalent, if you will. And so with that, I haven't really noticed the derailleur wearing down at all other than the pulleys. Yeah. And so, um, you know, t- 12 bucks and like five minutes of your time is obviously more cheaper than a new derail, <laughs> uh, especially right? an XT derailleur. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I don't know, like... It's true, Aaron. I am very much the I'm the party if it ain't if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And if <laughs> that's it, and fine, if it, and if man. it does break, fix it better. Because I'm uh, gonna I'm gonna like be working on this thing, and you'll just be sitting there like, yeah, I'm actually on my bike. Oh, you're <laughs> you're still working on yours? Yeah. yeah. Well, so it's like I I think everybody makes compromises, and like perhaps our listeners will identify with things that you know are wrong, but you're simply okay living with. Yeah. And then there's those things that are wrong, and you're not okay living with them. But I feel like. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like as um, the years go on and like the Surly just keeps running, I'm like, yeah, there's like the number of things I'm okay with being like 90% working. Yeah. Because there's still like feels like it's working 100% even though it's broken. Um, that, that ratio has gone up. Right. Um, that list gets a little bit longer. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like my, uh, I've got some fenders on my front and just between like boxing up my bike multiple times over the years, uh, the stays have gotten to the point where they've just broken off. Wow, and really? So, yeah, I, I've just got some zip ties on there. And so there's still, <laughs> still got yes. the, the two upper stays, the lower stays that actually like make sure it's behind your wheel when you're in the wetness. Those aren't there. But, um, you know, it, like, here's the deal. It does 90% of the job. <laughs> so me in the winter, I ride, you know, with rain boots and rain pants. So who am I to, who right. am I to care? <laughs> and that's certainly cheaper than a new pair of fenders. Good, good point. So, All right. So here's the... I, I did get a new pair of fenders, but they're sitting in our basement because I'm waiting for it to like 100% break before I put them on. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so it goes. <laughs> uh, we're all we're all like lazy slash like calculating in our right. own ways about, you know, what you do and don't replace on your bike. Right. Um, yeah. Fun times. I, I love I love that very individualized bike maintenance. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully it'll work out. Yeah. I don't know. You know, and if well, not, it it will probably still work out in some other way that you didn't anticipate, I'll, but is equally exciting. I'll just remember. So with the Surly. Just remember I, that when you're careening down <laughs> the side of a mountain with your gear stuck. Well, with the Surly, what like, I did. What would Guthrie say? What I did was I, 
this was a really stupid thing was <laughs> I got rid of the cassette almost immediately. Mm. I chucked it right into the recycling. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> it's like, oh, well, that's gone. Like, okay. I can't go back. It's like, you know. Like when at, you... your, at your place and then the truck came and got yeah. it and you're like, yep. well, that was that. Yep. Shit. It's like, yep. okay, we reached the new world. Burn the ships. Yep. Yep. <laughs> we're not going back. And the new world's like, we're we're playing a different ball yeah. game. And you're like, yeah. where was my cassette? No, yeah. come back. I can identify with that. I, I um, definitely there's some things I do that for. Other things, I'll t- I'll totally keep it around like six months or something like that yeah. until I'm like, yep, pretty confident at this point in time, I don't need that old part anymore. But it's hard to tell, like at at the fact. Uh, and I've definitely learned a few lessons the hard way in that regard, <laughs> <laughs> which usually just it's means like, like saving up more money and going back to the bike store. <laughs> right, but there's always that like thing like space is limited, mm-hmm. and so you're you're always like. Do I really want to hang on to this? Mm-hmm. Well, I've been hanging on to this other thing and I haven't used it. Yeah. You got to like, like figure okay, out so where one you're... of these things has to go. Yeah. I think it's like a very like intimate personal decision. Like what do I bump off of like shit that I'm keeping in the event that it will eventually mean or be useful to somebody, maybe not even myself. Um, but for that, uh, yeah, I, I, once a cassette's gone, a cassette's gone. I guess the only thing that would be useful is if you didn't upgrade your chain and you needed to go back, you could just put it back on. Right. Um, but also to see... I'm comforting myself in knowing that the chain was... U- or the cassette was used when we got it. Nice. That's pretty good. Like, oh, you know, it was probably going to wear out. Totally. If, it's, it's already, like, mostly worn out. Yeah, it's totally worn out. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> that is um, definitely, like, one thing that uh, kind of surprises people i think is just the the way in which cassettes and chains wear oh yeah just in the sense that um depending on what type of a rider pattern you have you can be like some people might have a 12 speed bike but they only ride in gear seven and so they get really surprised when their cassettes worn out but you're like well you only rode in gear seven for like a year and a half right so naturally um you could get a new chain and you can use any gear other than seven or you can get a new chain and a new cassette (laughs) Uh, if you if you just really well, want to seven I it up, just change that one gear. You no, no you cannot <laughs> unless they come out with modular. Yeah. Hey, there's a there's an idea. Um, that'd actually be, I I'm guessing feasible, but I, I wonder why we haven't gone that way. It's, modular cassettes. It's theoretically possible. I mean, like the top two, the the two smallest gears these days are typically um just yeah. slot on after the fact. But I, I'm wondering if there's that has a few to do that are that are like that, but it's usually the bigger ones. Um, at least the bigger three, if not the bigger, like four or five, mm-hmm. um, they're big enough that you can't just like slide them in and out in piece. Like they have to be like weld or not welded, but like riveted together on this yeah. one, like spider, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm sure there's a reason. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's totally structural. I don't know. Good. Again, like, like bike mechanics who listen to this, they're like probably like hurry, get to your, Get to your email machine and mm-hmm. like send us at the sprocket podcast at gmail.com. I, I will and, posit that at least some percentage of this is totally subjective. So, really? You're probably right. And also, people will disagree with you. <laughs> but as long as at the end of the day, if it works for you, it works. Right. So, that's that's kind of there like, is, I guess, there, that is a, the beauty of, of, some, like don't don't let don't mechanical... let anybody ever tell you you're doing it wrong. <laughs> well, with writing, that's easy to say, but mm-hmm. with like mechanical stuff, it's a little bit harder to say. Like, yeah, if it works, it's fine. Like, ah, uh, I feel like if anything that's not breaks is fair game, right? But 
yeah like safety first and then like everything else if it rips out that just rips out i don't know like maybe maybe front tires and brakes would be my big two of like right. yeah you should like it's not just me as somebody who you is should like go working with the, at a like bike shop industry that, standard for this one well like no bike shop is going to recommend if you've got um like a certain level of wear and tear or damage to your front tire like any self-respecting bike shop will like say you don't like i obviously respect your right to like not buy this from me but you really need to get something oh, for right. this yeah um because you don't want to be that person that is like yeah 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 it's fine and then find out that they were in a collision or had something happen to them after right. the fact um in fact yeah i'd say i'd say brakes and like front tire are like my personal uh red flag factors but i also like definitely go on like a case by case so sometimes sometimes it's merited sometimes it's not i feel like you just kind of get that experience overseeing like hundreds and thousands of bikes like over the course of years so uh the the safest thing to do as a bike shop is to always say replace it right but <laughs> and you didn't <laughs> and that's not it, just i mean that's not just like uh capitalism yeah per se it's like it's, hey i care about you i right. want you to be able to keep doing what you're doing and the best way to do that is to make sure you don't get in a crash because this is a like safety fault right um but at the same time, I'm not saying I haven't said, like, yeah, it's probably fine. Like, you could certainly do this if you want. But, I like, I don't know. I'm always a fan of telling people, like, you could do this. If it were me, I would probably ride it. That is a personal choice. You can choose to do that or not to do that. <laughs> right on. I don't know. Don't, no, don't spend money. You don't have to. Uh, I wish I wish I had those words. You know, like <laughs> Before you got like your 11 speed cassette. On my wallet or something. Oh, yeah. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> the trick I've learned is to not bring your wallet. <laughs> that's about, that's, that's yeah, my, you, that's my best solution so far. <laughs> Just leave it at home next time. Jane and I were out for a walk the other night and we were like, oh, should we go to Petite Province and get a, a get a baguette or what was it? Uh, they have like these little, I'm terrible at French cuisine. Um, should we go croissant? in or should we not? Yeah, it probably was a croissant. <laughs> And, uh, you know, you like reach your hand down. You're like, oh, I don't have my wallet. Wait, I don't have my wallet. Oh, good. Oh, okay. I guess we're not going to get Decision croissants. Made. Boom. <laughs> easy. Let's walk home. <laughs> so, um, yeah, the best, best way to uh, not spend it is to, is to not be able to. <laughs> yes. One time I went out for dessert only to realize after I had eaten that I forgot my wallet and the oh. person I was with forgot their wallet. That's like one of my biggest fears. Oh, it's awful. Yeah, I and can like, imagine. <laughs> on, on bike, on bike, it feels even worse. Like mm. you know, if I'm in a car, I'm like, yeah, I'll just be right back. You mm -hmm. know? Like, like, let me leave some collateral. Like it's like two two minutes yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Like you know, you stay here, I'll I'll go. And, mm -hmm. and, but on bike, you know, it's like ten minutes, fifteen minutes, mm -hmm. half hour. Ooh, you know, <laughs> he's really stretching the line, <laughs> right? So, so did they? Like, were they cool about it? Or they were totally that's cool good. about it. That's it, was, good. it was a place I'd been to before. So nice. It that's wasn't too bad. But. That's honestly like one of those like really nice uh kind of subtle factors of having a place is like if you forget your wallet they'll be like oh yeah he's legit That's yeah fine. you're all right yeah. like if you forget your wallet at the beer oh wait i no i won't say that but <laughs> <laughs> um if we do exactly. they might be okay <laughs> <laughs> they might be like come see us in back now uh yeah that's that's always i think uh kind of like social conditioning or or like mild fear fear of authority but also defiance at the same time like i yeah, I have not ever done it, but I've come close to at times of uh, like almost walking out of the house with a without like a wallet or something like oh, that, yeah. intending to go to a place. So uh, I I don't know. It hasn't happened. I just hope if it does, and you know, over the course of life, when it does, it won't be that 
business owner who's like, yep, calling the cops. Have a nice day, buddy. Right. Like, please, no. (laughs) I mean, well. But, yeah, so it goes. Uh, What what else? This sounds like a very fascinating week. What else have you been up to? (laughs) Really? (laughs) I mean, I don't know. It didn't sound that fascinating to me as I was going over it in my head. Any week you get to work on bikes or ride bikes or talk about bikes, I I feel like is a good week. I didn't get to ride much. I... I'm surprisingly becoming more and more a fair weather biker. Mm. Well, there's a lot of leaves out We're, there. Right we need now. to get our Aaron <laughs> has sold out uh, sound effect oh, going. Yeah, <laughs> oh, you got me. No, You're it's, right. You're right. That's it, man. I'm. I'm gonna. I'm out of here. I'm riding now. Well, wait, you can't. You can't leave because you brought your bike. So <laughs> you'd have to ride at home, and then you wouldn't be a sellout anymore. Right. That's what I'm saying. I'm leaving now. <laughs> So I can like prove myself. Yeah, I mean, we were, <laughs> we were talking about that last week, though. Um, you know, just as the weather changes, there can I like I. Um, it's one of those things where I will still try to take as many bike trips as I can, and there are certainly circum certain circumstances that occur in the fall and the winter time where yeah, I definitely need to either think harder about riding the bike or realistically, I drive every now and then. Uh, yeah, like Jane and I share a vehicle, which we use pretty infrequently. But at the same time, it's, I think it's that, that, uh, comfortness creep or comfort, comfortability creep, if I will. Yeah. Uh, where you just say, you're like, well, yeah, I used it for like that huge load of groceries out like three miles or four miles away. And people are like three or four miles, Guthrie, you've sold out. I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> so like here, here, here's, we're laying down all the cards. Um, yeah. So like we, we drive from time to time. I would say no more than I feel like we would if we also did ride share. Um, right. But at this point, the car is paid for. So you're just like, well, uh, it makes it a little bit easier. Yeah, I think it does. But at the same time, like every single time I get back to our place, if we do take a trip, I'm like, okay, what were like the things leading into that decision that I could like do or like reorganize or frame differently Uh that would allow me to not have like made that decision. And most of the time, the answer is give yourself more time. Uh, Like, like I could, like I totally could have biked that. We were just in a bit of like, we're in a bit of a rush. Um, so, uh, Speaking of groceries, so mm-hmm. this is this is really not exciting, but also kind of funny. Um, went did some groceries. Nice. Um, and I don't know if this ever happens to you. This has happened to me on more than one occasion. Okay. Where you're at the store, and you're just kind of like going about your business. And you're like, oh yeah, I need you know parsley, and I need spinach, and I need onions, and you mm-hmm. know you're just. Whatever. And then you realize, like, you have gone beyond your capacity to carry Oh, in the bag? Yeah. The pannier? Yeah. Oh, I didn't even bring... This was the thing. was, like, this was supposed to be, like, oh, I'll just go in for some eggs Mm -hmm. and, like, the basics, and I'm out of here. And it's probably, like, by design. This is just, you know, capitalism at its best, and it got me this time. (laughs) Or whatever. You've been ensnared. (laughs) Right. But, uh, yeah, it was just... It's suddenly like my basket is full now mm-hmm. and realizing, wait a minute, I just have my front bag, my oh, yeah. handlebar bag, yeah. and my saddle bag, mm-hmm. and that's it. <laughs> and now I've got to carry like a gallon of milk, mm-hmm. uh, 18 eggs, mm-hmm. uh, you know, just this, 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 this. Um, and so, <laughs> and, but also like, I've already paid for all this. Yeah. So what do you do? You've got two options. <laughs> <laughs> right? Cram it in like you meant it. 
or uh, walk of shame. Right. <laughs> you're like walking your bike with your like bags. Uh, I'm okay. I'm okay. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> I got it. Let me like save face well, until I and, get around the corner and, and then rearrange so, everything. <laughs> realistically, like it's maybe a mile and a half. I don't even think mm-hmm. it's that from the grocery store to to my place. Mm-hmm. And I have walked it a couple of times. Oh yeah. Uh, but I just wasn't going to let that get by me yeah. this time around. And so it's like, let's see how this works. And I've got like, you know, ice cream, cottage cheese, you know, lettuce, all the produce. And it's just like filled up my saddle, my mm-hmm. saddle bag. And luckily I was smart enough to empty that out beforehand. Yeah. You know, uh, I would, but in the I would meantime, say as, as far as packing grocery goes, all is fair in in love and trying to get yourself home with all of your overextended groceries. <laughs> right? Well, but I, I just had two bungee cords. Mm-hmm. That was it. And so this saddlebag is like teetering. And then I still have these 18 eggs that, you know, you don't want to pack in with everything else. Yeah. So it's just like balanced on the top of the saddlebag <laughs> strapped on with these two bungee cords. Booyah. It's like, it's going to work. Because it's, it's going to have to. It's, yeah, because it's got to. <laughs> Uh, and my handlebar bag was already just full because I never clean it out. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure like Lillian Karabayek's, uh <laughs> stickers are in there somewhere. <laughs> but they're just getting well aged. <laughs> right. They're just getting that pannier <laughs> smell on them. As all, as all sprocket I stickers should. I could totally should. hand deliver that. She lives close <laughs> enough to me that I could totally hand deliver While you're getting that. your groceries. <laughs> yeah, yeah. While I'm getting groceries. I, I've run into you getting groceries. <laughs> See? That's how small of a town Portland is. We, and guess what? You, you'd be surprised, but we didn't even plan it. No, no, totally. <laughs> Um, so it's, I like that you brought that up because, uh, that's actually one of my big like factors that I will talk people through when talking about panniers is the ability to put or not put things in that bag. And the, one of the like positive in the back roller where you sort of fold it down like a dry bag style type of panniers versus one that zips or, um, a couple of companies make like what, what they call like a city or a commuter style pannier is that, um, with the roll tops, you simply can fit more. And if you yeah. and if you guess you can go over capacity. If you guess bit. wrong, you just pretend it's this big bucket on the back <laughs> of your bike. Yeah. Um but the number of times that has saved me with a six pack just like kind of flopping off out of the top of my bag <laughs> is like a decent amount of times. So there's 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 some total like craft and some some theory and some application to uh shopping and putting things in your bike bag. Well, I almost did that, but and everybody the, with like a cargo bike is like, ha ha ha, <laughs> right, ah, suckers. <laughs> Look at this. I just throw it in this box right here. I just throw it in these bags on my long tail. I uh, have enough room to fit my dog too. <laughs> what now? <laughs> yeah, it no, it's really... it's a legit factor. Is like how because I mean, look at one of the. Uh, I'm, I don't have stats on this, but I feel like it's a pretty common reason that people choose to like transition over to bikes. Oh, is a yeah. is a form of. Um, sort of lifestyle change mm-hmm. is the ability to do uh like shopping trips or like smaller trips with said bike. So I think as far as panniers and and storage and shopping goes, it's an incredibly relevant topic. Oh yeah, totally. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I could wax and, poetic about, about groceries well, and, for and, at least another half hour. <laughs> and usually if if I know I'm going there for like a full on grocery trip, I'll mm-hmm. like bring the the uh bob trailer. Mm-hmm. I don't even bother with panniers anymore, you mm. know, and and that helps me get into the mentality of like, I don't care like how hmm. much of a thing or how many things I, I get because okay. I go the whole I'll other just way. Put it all on the bob, okay. and then it it'll fit. 
and it's it's hardly ever been wrong nice you know that's good see i i don't know if i could do that because i um like similar to touring like when you when you just start touring you get all you got your front panniers you got your back panniers you uh-huh. got the back roller that's another duffel bag that you chuck on top of your rear rack right and you're like i'm invincible i'm gonna bring xyz and the kitchen sink yes like I, that same thing happens when i grocery shop if i have two panniers i always end up purchasing more than i can eat for the time that i purchased right. it for so right. I've, so i found that personally as as a like factor of food that guthrie consumes if it doesn't fit or or overflows my single pannier, it's it's actually a really nice reminder of how much food I'm actually oh, capable nice. of eating within a week. That's that's really cool. I never yeah. thought of that before. And so, like, kudos to you because like you haven't had that problem. But I thought, I, like, could you? I can't imagine what I would bring home if I had a trailer. Uh, you should see how many cans of <laughs> cans of garbanzo beans and and black beans we have oh, yeah. in the cupboard. That's legit. The apocalypse hits. We will have protein. Well, if you're a Portland or a Pacific Northwest resident, the uh, FEMA recommends a two week supply. So, oh, yeah. the more you know. <laughs> <laughs> that's our like. So have you ever done those uh it's not necessarily FEMA endorsed but it's like FEMA type mm. um classes where it's like disaster relief stuff you know I haven't I I know that there are um local sort of preparedness networks which uh, are basically like community organizations yeah, there's, there's sort of similar to like a neighborhood coalition yeah um but yeah what which what, what ones well, are you referring to you know to? I've done I've done some for work Okay. Both jobs that I've had, oh, both I wish... of the main jobs I've had here. That sounds like a really fun aspect of jobs. They were, well, they were kind of required, like, huh? you know, uh, as a care home provider, or mm. as someone who worked in a care home. Yeah. Like, it was it was one of the things the county required of us was, and... like, you got to be prepared. And, like, we actually, like, were required to have, mm-hmm. or, or are still, I guess, required to have, um, you know, it, it, I think it's, like, 10, 10 days supply of water oh, for nice. every resident in the house. That's actually really cool yeah i thought that except <laughs> you have to dump it out every six months oh yeah really? that sucks oh, okay yeah. see because ah. there's only so much watering that you can do huh interesting you're like well what else do we do with this i uh i guess on my I guess we're manually flushing the toilets for a few days huh you know? yeah no that's a good use actually throw some throw some gray water or um secondary in there yeah I in my head, my plan was to just like re-sterilize it all with a with like a water like pen, like tabs or yeah, 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 or you know until until that dies. Um, I don't know if the county would say that's good enough. Either. Yeah, that's Anyways, true. It's more of like a personal versus here, other. There. No, I just uh, appreciate so... I appreciate that level of uh, forethought. <laughs> so it's nice to hear doing these classes. Wait, where were we talking about? Oh yes, one of the things uh, in the last one that I took for here at uh, Portland Public was one of the guys mentioned having a tradable item, hmm. you know, because the stores will be looted, mm-hmm. so to speak. Theoretically. You know, all hell breaks loose, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> no, no, go on. <laughs> it's, it's really at, at one point kind of what it sounded like, blah, 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 blah. Things will happen. Right. <laughs> Anyways, I, I won't go on to I won't so wax an, too so, poetically about this particular So an advocate for but, the barter system. But yeah, at some point, like you're going to have things that like somebody might need that mm-hmm. you could then trade for something that you need. Mm. So our, <laughs> our, our tradable goods we found just by default of already having a surplus of these things mm-hmm. is uh, canned beans, plenty of canned beans, especially mm-hmm. garbanzo and black beans. Nice. Um, 
and uh, Halloween candy. Ooh. Old Halloween candy because no one shows up at our place Ooh, yeah. for Halloween. And you know that stuff doesn't get old. No. It just gets better over That's time. That's right. That that gum just gets a little tougher to chew, but, you know, still retains that bubblegum flavor. Yeah. Good old, good old bazooka <laughs> bubblegum. But every year, every year we buy <laughs> Halloween candy. We buy, like, not a bunch, but mm-hmm. we buy, like, a bag or, or did, two. Did, oh, yeah. Did you get any yeah. trick-or-treaters? No, we never get any trick-or-treaters. Gosh. And yet every year we're like, we better get some just in case. Yeah. We actually, we gave up this year. We had um, gotten candy let's see three years in a row and last year the ants got the majority of it oh no uh which is fine because the, kid, the kids obviously the were not kid. interested uh <laughs> but i think it's just a factor of like uh you like some houses look more approachable and some less oh, so yeah. like we did the whole like pumpkin slash lights stairs, on too it's true yeah. anytime there's you know anytime that kid's like, gotta work wanna, yeah I don't anytime that kid's gotta stairs. work for candy that's just a deal breaker yep. right there yep i mean i want my candy delivered to me <laughs> into my into my hand no wait cancel that into my mouth i just you know that's that's candy kids these days they don't even say trick or treat <laughs> they, they just come to the door and they expect you to give you candy. <laughs> so okay here's the catch <laughs> or the, the the kicker so it's a real thing that happened huh? last year i literally put a sign on our candy bowl that said please just take all of it <laughs> and and I know that no kids came because we still had all of our candy at the end of oh, October. Oh man! Yeah, I was like, wow. all you all you had to do was walk up the stairs. <laughs> you would have had a gold mine. Instead, I just got to eat it all piece by piece over the next couple of weeks, uh, and like well, pick, picking out ants every now and then. <laughs> well, if you've got an earthquake kit, I I suggest sealing it away in the earthquake kit. Yeah. Uh, I was thinking like 50 gallon drums. Actually, I'm like keeping an yeah. eye on uh, like Craigslist for somebody just like totally miserable with the amount of blue 50 gallon drums that they have <laughs> and when that person decides that they are no longer worthy of their time i i'll be there be on uh, top of it. It, it i've also so in regards to like the the thievery and looting uh that supposedly takes place during these events right, right. I'll, I'll need to pull it up and send it in um i was reading an interesting article like last week or so that talked about like perception versus reality and um basically all it said was kind of what i had hoped to suspect in the first place which was uh the events in which people do that is is grossly exaggerated compared to the number of people just being good old humans to each other right of course Uh, and so i i what i what i've been trying to hook up um is like something that auto tweets a location of where my stash is so that if i'm like dead or in the bottom of the willamette when right. we get an earthquake, somebody can have. Like, well, it's going to have like a delay. But then I was like, wait, but if there's a delay, then all the cell networks are going to be down. So nobody will actually know where it is. <laughs> so I'm like trying to find a way to um, be like, hey, if I haven't like hit this button within three days, like have at it, folks. So if you know where I live, uh, I'm not telling anybody <laughs> on the air, <laughs> but there may or may not be some relief available to you. <laughs> I'll, I'll just let I'll let that lie where it will you. We we can let the sprocketeers keep it all there in the go. family. There you go. <laughs> oh, I said it, it to it the, the internet. Family, folks. We're we're all we're all we're all dead now. Um, but on a lighter note, <laughs> guess what I so, did this week? <laughs> <laughs> yes. After after all of that, tell us. No, it's been delicious. About, yeah. <laughs> tell us about what you've been doing. Um, shit. I've I've done a fair bit actually. Uh, I. Finished. Your life is way more interesting than mine. Oh, I, I highly doubt it. I'd say we compete head to head in uh, in interestingness. <laughs> um, speaking of art museums, guess what I went and saw? Oh, did you go on... see the Sunra muse- yeah. the Sunra exhibit? Is that Hell it? Hell yeah, awesome. I did. So, 
we should classic me was um, there was there a dj playing at that time there was not a dj okay. i think it that was like been a, fun. i think it was like a special occasion oh, okay there was a dj when i went there oh interesting uh yeah there was no dj when we went um classic classic me fashion being like oh yeah i can totally show up to a museum an hour before close and be fine nope absolutely not like i hit the very first uh explanation uh little plaque but beneath uh-huh. the fir- very first painting like in the museum and and took a solid three minutes on that and i'm like shit i'm totally gonna have to come <laughs> back here <laughs> so uh i'll be making a return visit <laughs> to the portland yeah. art museum uh, yeah. but but the little bit that we just like totally um like I-, I gave myself like half an hour of contemplative like i'm going at this space and then the the last 20 minutes or so was me like almost running around the museum being like, I've got to see it all. Uh, so <laughs> Wait, have you never been to the Portland Art Museum? Before? It's one of those things where like growing up in Oregon, I've been to the art museum. Uh-huh. I just haven't been in a really long time. Okay. And so um, especially missed opportunities when the Leica exhibit was there. I'm like totally kicking myself for not going to that one. Yeah, that would have been a good one. I to know. Go to. And also the... Um, what was it the leica exhibit uh the camera exhibit that we had like a, i think it was a couple years oh am i conflating nope i'm thinking of cars i'm thinking of cars and then i'm thinking of leica so um leica the animation um, yeah. studio around town does fantastic work and if you've seen let's see kubo and the two strings or Coraline, that was such a good film i know um i love those ones kubo um was nine a leica maybe not I don't know, actually. Box Trolls was. Okay. Yes. I don't know if I've seen Box Trolls. It's pretty cool. I'll check it out. Um, yeah, so I, I spent um, like a, a happy half hour and a frantic 20 minutes at the art museum. Okay. And I did will be back. Did you see this guy? I did not see that guy. Okay. Well, now you got something to look for <laughs> next time. Shit, yeah. <laughs> Looks really like cool I'm going piece. back to the art museum. <laughs> uh, yeah, so they... they uh, yeah, I, I will be back. <laughs> so I'd say thank you for the recommendation. I, I like almost went last week and, and, and your comment pushed me into action and I'm glad that it did. Ah. Um, let's see. Also this week, I finished a very interesting book about the train and railroad history of uh, Portland oh, yes. and Oregon. If anybody's ever looking... Specifically Portland. Specifically, yeah. Oh, it was wow. ri- written by a Portland author and um, there's an organization in town which gives... Architectural historic tours. I won't say them on the air, but if you Google that architectural and historic tours, I'm pretty sure you'll come across. Um, So they they it's not the Portland Oregon Architectural and Historic Tours Association. Of course not. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. So they they give uh, they give like a range of tours around town, and I took the one that covered Old Town Chinatown as well as the development of the Pearl District. And I had asked the guide uh, a little bit more about the railroad like influence on Portland's infrastructure. And so he recommended that to me. Okay. And I finally got around to reading it. And it's a really interesting book. Like if you know that you're a history book person and you're looking for like a very small, like uh, easy to get through, like it, it didn't take too long. And it wasn't like, oh, this is 800 pages about trains. It was more like, no, this is 172 pages about trains. But it's a really fun 172 pages. Cool. Uh, so just talking about a lot of the influences, which if you look at different buildings around Portland now, like definitely give you that sense of like, ah, like that 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 satisfaction of context to a lot of the older structures is, is certainly wielded by by it and so um yeah just kind of learning about the various you know uh 
subtleties, backstabbings, and otherwise that, of course, you'd, <laughs> backstabbing, ex- huh? you'd expect to occur. Well, only one death is covered in this book, um, but it's on a... Pr- oh, I thought you were like saying like like metaphorical backstabbing. Yeah, a bit you, of metaphorical, too. You mean like too. an actual backstabbing. Well, one back... Well, <laughs> if, if we're going to get technical, it was... Um, like five or six front stabbings, and then they dragged <laughs> the body. They dragged the body to uh, the old Villard uh, construction site, oh which God. was of the Portland Hotel, which was then dismantled by the, uh, f- I think it was Meyer and Frank Company in the 1950s. So like 1956 or seven. Like if you one block from where the Pioneer Square courthouse is, yes. is where that uh, the Portland as a hotel used to stand, and um, was o- one of the only few. Um, let's see kim mead and white buildings which were very influential architects based out of the east coast during the late 1800s early 1900s oh i'm gonna get off into it <laughs> ah no it's a, it's a fun book so so in regards to stabbings just one uh but in regards to backstabbings in general plenty uh so it kind of covered the genesis from uh very beginnings of portland and sort of steamboat with the oregon uh, let's see, I think it was just like the Oregon Steamboat Company, or, or I'm probably at least one word off from that. But basically the transition of steamboats into rails and the various uh, personas that were associated with the rise and fall of rail empire in Portland. And then where the backstabbing comes in is um, a lot of stuff you would have learned more, or at least like that I learned more in high school in terms of a U.S. history book, like the Gould Empire and, and you know, the, what we're talking about of like rail barons. Um, it covers much more the Henry Villard side of it, who was based out of Portland. And so it was kind of a historical overview of rails in Oregon through the lens of um, mainly Villard's impact, but also the tertiary forces that coincided. How um, this is a, this is a thing like, a lot of modern history books don't fall prey to this as much, but a lot of history books in general fall prey to like wanting to like paint a, a grand picture mm. of, of whatever their subject is. No, and, this one was pretty like, like legit. Yeah, in that regard, they were they're pretty like like uh, upfront about things. So, I think as a as a approach, if there was a historical fanfare associated with a moment, they covered it in a historical perspective like in the context of of that in the context of people in the 1860s being excited about that they would say people in the 1860s were excited about this uh instead of saying this was great for america exactly it is great now exactly yeah Yeah, none of that in this book or or i would say like to the degree that it's possible to be a neutral observer of the past uh pretty respectable job of keeping it in that in that uh realm so i mean and for that um Along with a few other reasons, it's a very enjoyable read. But I hadn't known, uh, for example, that Villard had eventually aligned things. So they're they're basically. It's so funny. There's so many parallels to like 1860s Portland and Portland today. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> like it's, it's it's absurd. In fact, so you know you'd be reading along and then you'd be like, shit, we're still de- we're still dealing with <laughs> we're this. We're still effect. doing this. Uh, one of them, and I I, I think I tweeted. Actually, I don't think. I did it's tweet about this. It's the light rail barons now. Exactly. Uh, well, not really, but kind of. <laughs> <laughs> so so um, there was a quote in the book towards the end of it just talking about the, uh, let's see, 
the the propensity of people in Portland in the 1800s to talk very largely about the city that was theirs. And I was like, hmm. Yeah, we don't do that. <laughs> does, this, does this remind you of anything, you know? Uh, and I think the I think the observation of the author was like, um, for the for the bankers and the uh, streetcar operators, etc., to to not do so would mean that it was itself not significant at all. Uh-huh. So so like we've got to keep it talking, otherwise we're just nothing other right, than right. the talk that we prop ourselves up with. Uh, <laughs> so you know, so a couple you of parallels. Got to keep our brand fresh. A man. couple of parallels yeah. in there, perhaps. For our more cynical uh, <laughs> Spark of Podcast listeners. But yeah, I mean, the whole of the book was sort of full of um, some interesting things. And I think one of my favorites was uh, I'd always gotten a really like di- diluted version of why Union Station exists as it does today. And with that, I never thought to question it. Oh, yeah. So Union Station, like, for example, the tower on Union Station almost wasn't to be. At the time, the railroads were um, like going super scrooge on the whole idea of having a station in portland so they had wanted to cut the tower out of the plan and so i'm I, like for me personally just trying to imagine downtown portland without, without its that union station tower, tower. yeah um but what had had actually happened was villard had in the i think it was the 1880s um looked to build what was at that time the largest train depot in the entire world and the train in depot, the world yeah Whoa! In the world, yeah, I I have used Wait, and, I've I've used that, that line U- often. Union Station. Well, so here's here's the All the right. catch, and this is why I was really happy I read the book is I had thought um, that the downscale was due to it being built on Cooch Pond, which is actually true. So they filled in Cooch Pond, which is where the current train station rests. But the Villard proposed, used to be a pond. Now it it's did. a train station. Well, it's I mean, realistically, if you're talking Portland, anything north of Burnside Bridge at some point in time. Was, was probably a pond, yeah, yeah. Okay. or or at least such. Um, in fact, the Lewis and Clark bicentennial, they actually made a like Venetian, um, and this isn't actually they from, actually flooded downtown. Just well, <laughs> well they didn't flood downtown, just for effect. but they like played big on the fact that they had like they 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 like beautified their their marshes into like quote unquote lakes uh, oh. for the opening of the of the of the bicentennial, and so with that, um, or oh shit, was it the bicentennial? There was a there was like a uh, World Expedition, Exposition Fair or such. And this is actually, I'm pulling from um, a, a different reference than this book. But anyway, North Portland, pretty boggy, pretty marshy. And so the the original station, which was to be the world's largest at the time, would have actually been at the end of the North Park blocks, where if you imagine the okay. current Arts Museum, or excuse me, the Arts uh, Institute of Portland. Is yes. it the Portland? Well, it was the Art Institute of Portland. I believe it's, it's a, closed now. It's an art school now, though. Oh, it is. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it'll uh, it'll come back to me. But anyway, yeah. that 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 section name, of blocks there. The name so, eludes me. So if you could imagine, um, like the historical consequence of had the station gone there, then the blocks along the South Park to North Park block stretch likely wouldn't have been developed because they would have wanted to keep that continuous view oh, all the way down through the city. Yeah. yeah. Even um, though the ownership sort of changed over after so uh, the owner of the that, South Park blocks par- passed away. Parallel that to like the blockage of certain uh, developments being built because they mm-hmm. were too high and yep. blocking the view to some residents. And yeah. So, oh, totally. That's so hilarious. It's interesting. Yeah. It's histor- history offers unique perspective yeah. uh, in many ways. So, so it's really, I guess, just as a resident of Portland, as a lifelong Oregonian, um, and I would say even as somebody who's not necessarily tied in super close to the history of Portland, it's an enjoyable book to read and a very palatable one. Right on. 
but yeah, there's there's stuff like that sprinkled all over. So say the name of the book one more time. It is Railway Palaces of Portland, Oregon. Railway uh, Palaces. Palaces. I know. <laughs> yeah. I was a bit, honestly. I was, was going to say, with a title like that, uh, I would be pretty skeptical. I was a bit like put off initially, I have to admit. But uh, once I got like 15 pages in, I was like, no, this is cool. This is all right. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I've, I've often been kind of a history nerd at, at heart. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's really it's really interesting, and I could I could go on and on. Okay, I'll share one last anecdote. Yeah. Uh, so this is, I guess, I'm trying to tie it into Brock's journey down to down to Salem these days. Uh, basically, like if you look at railway in Oregon, you have basically Henry Villard to give some part of the credit to, um, and and in credit I mean like he, you know, for better or worse, made that happen. Uh, but he basically was this personality that was able to secure a lot of capital in that day and age under no security. And so he actually went boom and bust and like got run out of the United States back to Germany. Oh, no way. Um, but then came back 10 years later and then like saw another bust coming and was finally like, no, nope, F this. Like I'm out. I'm going <laughs> I'm to Europe. I'm out early I'm going this to Europe, time. folks. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the first time he came in, <laughs> he, he kind of just like really uh, spearheaded the initiative to build railways out of and from Portland. And so the the sort of isolationist sense that was present at the time and some could argue somewhat present presently. Are you, are you saying the bubble? The bubble? The, the Port- Portland bubble? The Portland bubble. Oh, it's so real. It's so real. <laughs> uh, Even then. Oh god, like take great. take today and just mag or like multiply it by 100. It's oh, nuts. Oh man. Absolutely nuts. So they didn't want a line down to California, nor up to what was at that time the burgeoning communities of Tacoma and Seattle. We still don't want a line down to California. <laughs> yeah, I mean, w- one could look at it All that way. Apologies to California listeners. This is just a joke. Yes, but. please take our expense. At, so, some some amount of words <laughs> adding together. Um, yeah, so it's basically, mostly just a commentary on like general attitudes. Por- Portland was and still is in some ways very protectionist. Yes, and I would say much more so back then. Uh, wow. But, but just wanting to run rail lines east so that they could become the the east or the west coast hub, as opposed to like just being a link in the node that would sort of channel business north or south of them. Uh, and that played out very uh, significantly in how Oregon built out it its railway system but villard um when they linked up he was able to negotiate a deal with um i'm I'm forgetting their name now but the railroad basically building east to west he was the west to east and so when they met in the middle in billingsman i think it was billings montana um there was this huge fanfare and uh he had like promoted and marketed and there was like elites from the new york taking the train west to meet in montana and be present for the creation of the first Cross the U.S. rail line. It's that story problem that everyone gets in math is like if a train Mm -hmm. travels east from Portland and another travels west from Chicago, Mm -hmm. when will they meet? How fast do they have to go to meet in Billings, Montana? It it depends on how much Henry Villard uh, makes things up <laughs> to his to his wealthy investors on the East Coast. I don't know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> there's so so what they did they they took the spike that started the very begin the very first uh, spike from the East Coast line and they actually pulled it up and then brought it to Billings and then they drove that spike as the completion of the connection between the two as sort of a symbolic linkage of of the continue or the completion of that railway um and like former president grant was present at the ceremony like this guy like it, i i just have to wonder if he was alive in 2018 like what kind of marketing campaign he would be 
running for like things that just didn't have any funding behind them oh, at all. Yeah? <laughs> cuz cuz shortly thereafter stuff just went belly up. Um <laughs> but it was it was Which really... would explain why he got ran out. Exactly. Yeah. He he lost face and then he came back and kind of saved it in an odd way. So it was like one of those things where like he peaked, mm-hmm. did this great thing and it was like, okay, so now what else can I do? Well, it was all tied was... up in securities that didn't okay. that didn't exist. And so he was borrowing money on money that, that wasn't that there. It wasn't actually. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Just this whole, like, pile of. Gosh, that wouldn't happen these days. No. No. Un- unheard of. No. We, yeah. we won't go there, though. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, so if you're looking for a good old train book to get your uh, history juices running, I would recommend that book. It's, <laughs> that's it's, awesome. It's got that and a lot more that's interesting in it. I want to read it. I feel better for reading. <laughs> I want to read it just for the whole, like. Portland preciousness. Oh God! That, <laughs> yeah, you would get a kick out of it. it. Yeah. And that and that's kind of the charming thing about. I mean, the book. it's it's one of the things I love and and like not love about mm-hmm. this town. It's you know? I would say it's re- it's it's just a part of the character. Yeah, it's a character totally. of town. Um, I I think you'd enjoy it from that respect because the yeah. author does like a really nice job of very subtly separating their personal humor of of oh, set yeah? events from <laughs> from like what's actually happening. He he's like, although they did not know that like this would fail two years later. You know, so-and-so was very excited about the opening of this railway and that railway. <laughs> you know, just like, although it would prove to be their folly, they continued through. History has borne the fruits of that labor. <laughs> um, yeah, so anyway, good good books finishing up. Um, got some art museum in today. And what else did I do? I'm sure I did things. But those are the poignant moments of my week. Nice. Awesome. Well, shall we move on yeah. to our calendar let's check it out i've got new items on there good good to catch up with you by the way yes thank you i think this is this our first two-person episode in second maybe okay i'm trying to remember first probably well there's maybe one or two more of the school year yeah probably first since the end of last school year i kind of want to say we had one earlier in the calendar i feel like we did yeah Uh, either way good good to chat yes This is when I realized that the hazy doozit is on the label. It says a two X India Pale Ale, and I'm like, "Oh, you just had to, didn't you?" Oh, <laughs> it's like two beers for the gotta, for the drink gotta, of one. You got to save that second one. Man. Thanks, beer mongers. <laughs> <laughs> no, but but thank you. I love, I love, I love, I love don't don't ever use that. Too bad. Don't worry, Tim. We will happily do so <laughs> for now, and for as long as we can get away with it. The second Thursday of every month, the Joyful Riders Club in Minneapolis. The second Friday of every month, the Boston Bike Party. Also the second Friday of every month, the Indianapolis Bike Party. Also, also the second Friday of every month, the East Bay Bike Party. And last Friday of every month, the Baltimore Bike Party. And every second Sunday of every month right here in Portland is the Corvidai Bike Club Ride. Caca! November 9th and November 10th is the Portland Podcast Festival. November 19th is October 29th's P-Town Scooter Throwdown. That's right. Rescheduled. Hope none of you showed up. I mean, if you did show up. If you add the two together, it's 1929, and that's only half as much fun you'll have if you show up on the 29th. (laughs) There you go. 
November 24th, Cranksgiving. Yes. I thought there wasn't going to be one, but um, a couple people whose names escape me right now because I clicked off that link. Anyways, a couple people um, took up the reins. Yeah. Yes. Uh, J Train and Kamikaze Carl. Okay. Nice. Yeah. So thank you guys for picking that up. And you've, and you've probably heard us talk about it before. But if you've not, Cranksgiving is, I think, in my opinion, one of my favorite winter events in Portland. It's it's just oh, a good yeah. ra- all-around time. Yeah, definitely. I can't wait to go there. Ride your bike. Do some good. Last couple times, I actually, we did, uh, we emceed that. Mm-hmm. So it was fun. It'd be nice to, like, get like a I'm, team, get a sprocket team together. We should. Yes. I, I'm totally biased, but it's a fun event. <laughs> <laughs> On December 2nd, we have the Reed Ravine Ramble. Also, a new event that's uh, from the Urban Adventure League, mm-hmm. uh, it's, who you know is Sean Granton. And it's described as a six-mile urban hike exploring the area around Crystal Springs Creek and more. Some dirt paths and stairs. Walk is not a loop, but will end near food, beverage, and transit options. Yes. Um, December 15th and 16th is Bikecraft and... They will be on the show in a couple weeks. Booyah, Bikecraft. Yes. Excited to catch up. It's been almost a year since we've talked Quite, with the folks yes. at Bikecraft. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's all good. We were, we were trading emails earlier today. Yes. Uh, upcoming Film by Bike tour dates are Hood River, Oregon, December 7th, Arcata, California, March oh, 15th. Oh, by the way, these are not in any order. I'm oh, sorry. Don't worry about it. I, I'm I, not worried about I it. I just checked the Film by Bike tour schedule. Oh, yeah. And so some that we had... The dates must have changed, mm. like they must have rescheduled at some point. Yeah, I would. So I just kept the locations, but changed the dates. Oh, so. see, and this is the part where I say, while involved in film by bike, uh, this is this is not an element that I'm involved <laughs> with. And so I'm I'm happy to read them all the same. <laughs> Hood River, Oregon, December seventh, Arcata, California, March fifteenth, Bendigo, Australia, November thirtieth, and Phoenix, Arizona, November seventeenth, Boise, Idaho, January eighteenth, and Los Angeles, California, January twenty seventh. I'll get those back in order for next week. I enjoyed it. It was a nice break from the norm. <laughs> Who needs them in order when you can have them not in order? Exactly. What can compare with the thrill of a brand new bike? I like my bike, it's fast. I like my bike, it's fast. I like my bike, it's fast. It circles around the city lights. Hey, you and PDX, have you heard of Woke Coffee? Started by Kat Caparello of the Joyride Podcast, which you should listen to if you want to. And Friends Woke Coffee is a community-focused outdoor coffee shop serving up espresso in St. John's, Oregon, with sustainable practice and good vibes. I can vouch for the good vibes. Oh, yeah. yeah. If Cat Caparello is involved, there'll be good vibes. Oh, yeah. And they have a GoFundMe campaign, which we will yeah. link. So if you'd um, like to support them, you can. Yeah. And so just as an update, here are some of the things that they've been able to do with. Um, so their GoFundMe is about halfway right now. Um but they're still working on it on the um, cart, regardless mm-hmm. of the GoFundMe. They're going to so, make a they're going to make a go of the GoFundMe, right? Yes. Eh? <laughs> no, that one doesn't deserve it. <laughs> <laughs> Here are a couple of things that they've done so far. So they made plumbing upgrades required by the health code. Uh, they moved the coffee cart into its rightful place 
They've hooked up electric and water. They finished and moved steps into place. Thank you, Jesse. Uh, they finalized their logo, which we hopefully will have to put on our website. Um, they purchased stainless steel work tables, uh, purchased the coffee brewer. Always set up, important. <laughs> yeah, if you're a coffee shop, get the coffee brewer. Uh, set up accounts, uh, met with espresso machine service technicians, and placed opening supply orders. So Woo-hoo! they are like right on the cusp of getting it going. Um, so if you are interested in being a part of this, uh, go to their GoFundMe site and throw them some dollars. I, I know what I'm going to check out this next week. That's right. Um, yes. Let's see. Headlines, headlines, headlines. Oh, good. We're still in headlines. When, the, <laughs> when there's the page break and you're like, I could oh. start us off into a new segment accidentally. Yes. But instead, yes. I will tell you. No, the, the formatting is, is weird on this one because of the cut and then paste. It. Oh, it's it's all good. I'm enjoying it. Uh, from OutsideOnline.com via listener Josh G. Thanks, Josh. Make driving dangerous again. Yes. And this was actually written by, um, I can't remember his real name. He goes by Bike Snob. Oh, yeah, Bike Snob yeah. NYC. Yes. Yep, yep. So everyone knows who that is. I, I don't know who, insert his name is, but I do know of a person from the, the background of Bike Snob NYC. I mean, NYC. He, he prints his actual name on this article, oh, okay. so you know who it is. I just, I just can't <laughs> I th- recall. He's it not incognito? No. <laughs> okay. No. <laughs> yeah, he, he, yeah. he used to Anyhow. guard that like really, really closely, but yeah. not so much these days. Fair enough. Um, another good book, by the way. Uh, despite all this safety technology road deaths are at a 10-year high and cars or more accurately their drivers kill more than 40,000 people per year the key here is reminding people that operating a motor vehicle actually requires a certain amount of concentration and skill and the way to do that is to parse these machines down to the bare essentials yes emphasis is mine (laughs) so the the this article is is really long and it's a lot of tongue-in-cheek humor, but I think the point he's trying to make is, like, part of what's making us distracted besides the, like, phone technology mm-hmm. and the communication technology is the safety technology because we rely on that mm-hmm. more than our own perceptions and our mm-hmm. own skills. And, Ooh. Yeah. All right. It's so, really cool. You should read this. I am going to, I'm going to read it. Uh, it's that- hilarious, but it's pointed. And, mm-hmm. you know, like, he's like, okay, first thing, take away automatic transmission. Mm-hmm. So that should like eliminate a bunch of drivers. And if anyone still wants to drive after that, now they got to learn to drive manual. And so therefore mm-hmm. like already they've learned a skill or have a skill. Booyah. And, uh, and it like just goes about like eliminate this safety feature, eliminate this safety feature. And the last one is like, you know, oh, that's a siren. <laughs> I thought it was someone screaming at first. I oh. got, I got really concerned. <laughs> yes. Um, for, I, I guess fortunately only a siren. <laughs> Yeah. Crossing, um, crossing fingers. The last thing he says is like, you know, and if people still like want to drive, you know, that's fine, but let's eliminate air conditioning and mm. eliminate like climate mm-hmm. control. And that'll really like, yeah. now you really have to like decide like how dedicated you've, am you've I to You've got to really want those wheels. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I feel like I'm halfway there because our AC has been broke since <laughs> like 20, 2014. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, I mean, good, good yeah, you points should, you should all check around. It out. Yeah. Um, it's funny. It reminds me of a Malcolm Gladwell episode on his podcast uh, where he talks about revisionist just, history. Re, yeah. All revisionist right. history. Um, and I think it's in the second or third season, but it revolves around the Toyota uh, acceleration runaway scandals from back in the late oh. 2000s. Um, yeah, and so that would be some, right. some, some interesting uh, 
science in there and, and a really interesting perspective on how cars have actually coddled us so much so to the point that we forget that they're machines that respond to human input. Uh, <laughs> and and it's a, They it, don't have a life of their own? No, they actually don't. And uh, yeah, I would, I would recommend his episode on that. It's actually, it's a fantastic dive into one of the biggest scandals slash not scandals um, to happen in recent years for large companies. I think, uh, what was it, Volkswagen and the cheating the emissions test would be kind of like in that oh, same yeah. Yeah. realm, I guess. Uh, but anyway... It it just reminds me that, you know, had we followed Bike Snob's advice, we Malcolm Gladwell wouldn't have had an episode to make. <laughs> so, uh, when it, when in doubt, if your car is accelerating mercilessly, take everything off of the pedals, and then apply oh, the brake. Yeah. Just make sure that no job. feet are on any pedals. That's that's my PSA. Except the brake pedal. Well, no, that's that's the. I I don't want to spoil the episode. Oh. But. Okay. But I will say as a public safety announcement that is validated by some of our brightest minds, take all of your feet off and then think about your next action. Ah, I see where you're going. Okay. So anyway, from bikeportland.org, a donated bike fleet will help Portland Street Medicine expand their reach. Yes. So I've just heard of this group before, and um, there's reason for it. They're pretty new. Um, Portland Street Medicine uh, are doctors and nurses that are I'll let you read. <laughs> oh, you're good. I'm enjoying it. <laughs> oh, doctors, uh, social workers, EMTs, and volunteers who provide free care to people who live outside. Um, and they got a donation of bikes from the good people at uh, Splendid Cycles down there, you know, mm-hmm. that is like right by the Springwater Corridor. Trail. Just at the entrance. Yeah. 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 Which is, uh, you know, kind of notorious, but um, there are people who need medical care out there from time to time. And so here's a group of people who are doing this. Um, and they hopefully will be on our show pretty pretty shortly, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyways, uh, he says, These bikes will give us an easier and quicker access to places that are hard to get to, said Portland Street Medicine staffer Duncan Zavetsky. Uh, the group already does frequent rounds in places like Springwater Quarter and East Bank Esplanade, but with bikes, they'll be able to cover much more ground, which going back to like the disaster relief trials um, and like many of the other like disaster preparedness stuff that, that we talk about here in Portland and like talking about like, you know, cars are not going to help you or whatever. Like here's actual, maybe not disaster relief, but relief actually happening by bike. Yeah. currently right here right now and it's it, you don't even have to wait for a catastrophic event to put it in place yeah i mean it was kind of a catastrophic event it was or, just yeah, like fa- maybe fair. economical ah, fair enough fair enough <laughs> <laughs> yeah you you were right about you were right on that anyways <laughs> i next. appreciate i appreciate that <laughs> from from cyclingtips.com via bike portland commentary why i stopped wearing a bike helmet what Yes. What? Uh, On this show? How dare you? <laughs> How dare you? And I'm invisibly pointing my finger at Aaron across the table. <laughs> you don't have to invisibly if you oh. really feel like... No, it's cool. Uh, I'm actually kind of a you-do-you thing on helmets. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty much that way. Um, I'm I'm mostly like, if conditions are right, I generally won't wear a helmet in town. Mm. Um, I used to be like way more, not anti-helmet, but personally anti-helmet. Mm-hmm. Um, that don't, I used don't to be. you tell me what to do, man. Right. Don't right. you tell me. Um, anyways, so, um, the interesting thing about this article is like the article is, you know, I don't know, 
five or six paragraphs and then there before the article itself there's like three paragraphs from the editor of this online magazine oh just like prefacing disclaimer why they're like dragging this out of the muck again or something well not even why they're doing it but just like this is an opinion okay you know and we're we're not suggesting you do anything to like endanger yourself Mm -hmm. it's essentially like so you know yeah they don't get litigated oh for sure um i can but he he says something to the effect of like you know he acknowledges that there are medical studies that that support helmeting and and the safety of helmets he even like goes in this article goes in detail about a particular accident he had mm. where like he credits the helmet with like i would have been a lot more hurt mm-hmm. possibly mm-hmm you know incapacitated i can uh, if it uh, wasn't for the helmet can think of ranger tom in that regard as well yeah. yeah we've seen evidence um but he says i would like to add a rhetorical question to this list if the epidemiological data is right why don't we make all people at risk of head injury wear a helmet one major study conducted that more or concluded that more than 75 percent of adult canadians who were hospitalized for a traumatic brain injury had been injured in a motor vehicle crash or a fall when on foot. By comparison, cyclists made up a tiny percentage of the hospitalizations with similar injuries. So, to state the obvious, if authorities pressured all motorists and senior citizens, I don't know about that wording there, who frequently use staircases to wear styrofoam caps sheathed in plastic, the impact to head injury rates in the general public would be far greater. Hmm. I think what he's saying here is like, Nice double don't, standard, don't folks. Don't focus on, yes, don't focus <laughs> on the bike. And, and yeah. a lot of it is like, um, so it's an opinion piece, but a lot of it is is sort of uh, pointed at mandatory helmet laws, yeah. mostly. Yeah. No. And we've we've talked, actually, I think quite extensively on the show about mandatory versus non-mandatory. Yeah. Um, got some good articles from Europe in that regard. I, I think for me on a very personal level, it still boils back down to... Uh, the reason I wear a helmet is because I know that I fail to control my bike at times. <laughs> so, yeah. Like, yeah, I, don't, totally. I don't trust myself. <laughs> and so I'm, I'm going to take that. But I can tell you that the, the times in which I've not worn a helmet, yeah, the freedom machine truly shines in that regard. <laughs> right. <laughs> so it's, you know, you make, you make the sacrifice well, for the thing you love. And he doesn't necessarily say this in this article, but it's sort of like I inferred it maybe because I've already come to this conclusion and you know maybe it's what is that called confirmation bias perhaps i don't know uh but like it's it's not the bike it's not even necessarily the car that's gonna hurt you you mean the driver or the driver or the impact or whatever but (laughs) sorry (laughs) getting all semantic on you it's the speed you know and and well you know mass and acceleration and whatnot uh i like I said, like I generally, I'll wear a helmet, but every now and then, if the conditions are right, I won't mm-hmm. wear a helmet. And that doesn't mean like I'll only go like ten to fifteen miles an hour while not wearing a helmet. That's totally not true. Mm-hmm. But um, I would, I would say like just I've always kept in mind it's always speed that's really gonna like be the main factor of like how injured you're going to be. And it's even yeah. sort of like you can infer that from this article too. Oh, like totally. It's, it's never quite the activity. It's the speed and the impact at which you're you're hitting. Yeah, 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 definitely. And I I certainly know folks who are um like helmet on the road, helmet off on the trails kind of deal. Oh, and, yeah. You know, because if you're gonna hit 
something soft or something that's not a car heading the other direction or you know at 60 or 70 yep. miles an hour you're like yeah I'll, I'll 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 take that trade you know sure. Sure. <laughs> for for uh off trail use yeah there's been plenty of times use. there's been plenty of times on my commute like on hot days where i'll have the helmet on like on the busier streets but then like once i get to the quieter streets because it's hot i'll mm-hmm. just put the helmet take the helmet off like put it on the handlebars or whatever yeah totally and there's also folks who um you know have various uh i I mean this this might just be the case generally but like i'm thinking of people who actually get like head strain by wearing helmets like folks who you know have like a a neck pain or neck injury or something like that like it can actually be i mean um, it's more detrimental it's not necessarily heavy but it is an added weight it's there right it's there um so i i could certainly see merits to both yeah well, that brings us to the end of our headlines. But do you <laughs> well, know what we actually have this week, Aaron? Yes. We got mail. Hey, we got mail. From Peanut Butter Jar Matt, greetings, Sprocketeers. This is going back a few episodes, but after years of not having a kickstand, I just put one on my bike and am now decidedly... Wait for this, Aaron. Wait for it. Wait for it. Pro kickstand. Shaking my head. From peanut butter jar mat. <laughs> welcome to. You sell out. <laughs> w- 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 I'm not even going to say welcome to A side. I'm going to say thank you for exercising your uh, judgment and your your enthusiasm and your engagement with your experience, Matt. I I. I applaud your decision making. <laughs> yes. No. Hey, <laughs> Wait, if it works I, for you, that still comes off a bit biased. If it works for you, go for it. <laughs> exactly. Man. It's Bye. similar to helmets. You do you. But P.S. Welcome to the dark side. <laughs> 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 Thanks for writing in, Matt. Um, Brock sent us a possibly contra- or a picture of a possibly controversial oh, yeah. beer. This is closing time IPA I almost, from the Wilbur I like Brothers. almost went out and got that for oh, us really? this week. Just yeah. to see what it was like. <laughs> oh, just to be a jerk <laughs> what so like the the beer itself there's nothing wrong with calling your beer closing time that's fine uh i think what really got to me and why i'm calling this possibly controversial mm-hmm. is that lyft uh, instagrams out to the world get 50 percent off a lyft ride when you enjoy closing time ipa a limited release beer mm-hmm Find it near you. And you you saw the connection there, too, because the Lyft headquarters for Driver Cert in Portland is one block away from Widmer Brothers Brewery. <laughs> really? Yeah, I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure that's why they did the collab. <laughs> that's hilarious. Like somebody from, somebody working at Lyft, like, wandered over to Widmer's and was like, shit, this beer's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's yeah. do a collab. And, you know, I hear, I hear good things about Widmer. I don't drink beer, so I, I wouldn't really know. It's just... <laughs> I don't know. It's you don't just want the closing funny. time to be your initial well, yeah, foray yeah. into alcohol. <laughs> That's okay. <Right. laughs> wait, wait, wait for the right time, which can absolutely be never. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it was interesting. I, I found it kind of funny in regards to the transportation study that we talked about. I think it was last week or a couple of weeks ago where the overall total uh, fatalities actually went up two to 3% yes. nationwide. So, uh, well, while I'm a fan of people enjoying alcoholic beverages, I found and it a, getting I, a ride when doing precisely, so. precisely. Yeah, I, I found it a bit ironic, if you will. <laughs> but uh, you know, sometimes I can be a glass half empty rather than half full, <laughs> <laughs> and that's just who I am. I see. I'm rubbing off on you. Oh, it's good. <laughs> ah, stop it! Ah, what are you doing? <laughs> well, well. <laughs> speaking of rubbing off and saying things at the same time. 
Are we ready for the outro? I believe we are. You've made it once again to the end of another episode. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you all for listening. Next week, Joe Kermaski. The Sprocket Podcast is produced at StreamPDX Community Audio Studio thanks to generous support of Open Signal. Our website is thesprocketpodcast.com. Email to thesprocketpodcast at gmail.com. Call or text 503-847-9774. Twitter and the Instagram at Sprocket Podcast. Thanks to Ryan J. Lane for our theme music. Herbert for our headline sounder. Marcus Norman for graphic design. And thanks to sustaining donors Logan Smith, Shadowfoot, Katrina Melamgard. Wayne Norman, Ethan Georgie, Eric Iverson. Cameron Lane, Richard was Tim Mooney, Glenn Kubish, Matt Kelly, Eric Weiss, Todd Parker, Dan Gebhardt, who's a time traveler, Dave Knows, Chris Smith, we'll see you soon, Caleb Jenkinson, J.P. Keeley, Peanut Butter Jar Matt, thanks for writing in, Marco Lowe, Rich Otterstrom, Andrew in Colorado, Drew the Welder, Anna, welcome home for a little while, Andre Johnson, King of Division, Richard G, yours truly, Aaron Green, <laughs> author of We Were Like Sons and founder of the Regranary, Campsite Magners, David Nathan Bolton, Chris Rawson, Rory in Michigan, Michael Flournoy, Jeremy Kitchen, David Belay, Tim Coleman, Harry Hugel, EJ Finnerin, Brad Hipwell, Thomas Cato, Keith Hitch- Hutchinson, Ranger Tom, Joyce Wilson, Ryan Tam, Derek Wagner, Jason Offenberg, Sorry, I said that wrong. Jason Oftenberg, Microcosm Publishing, David Moore. Todd Grosbeck, Chris Barron, Chris Barron, Chris Barron. Sean Baird, Simon Gregory Braithwaite. Ryan Morrow, Jimmy Diesel, Dude Luna. Matthew Rooks, Kaka! Marshall, Paula Funitake, Cyclecraft. Philip N. Spartandale, no relation. And to all of our former donors who've helped us get this far. Now, brush your teeth. And go to bed. <laughs>